Thank you. You may be seated. Um, hey, listen, um, before I get into content, um, I'm, I'm, I need to talk to you about a big anxiety in my life. Can I talk about anxiety? Okay. Um, listen, in a previous incarnation, before I went into ministry, I was a, a purchaser for the third largest transport trailer manufacturer in the country. And uh, as purchasers, we'd all sit in the office and we would just say to one another, um, what, what do you, you know, what's, what's your day like? And if I said to one of the other purchasers, I have a no-win situation, they knew exactly what I was talking about. Okay? Um, this chair purchase that we're having for the new auditorium is a no-win situation for making a decision. Here's why. Here's why. Okay? We need this. There's, there's no question in my mind that we need to redo the auditorium, a, a lot of things that are happening. But we have, we have two big stressors, right? There's the Cadillac version. There's the, you know, lazy boy version, okay? Which, to be honest, most people want. Uh, I even want, okay? Because if we didn't have to dismantle this auditorium, there's no question in anybody's mind that's the chair to go with. No question, okay? Might not be perfect for everyone, but we can work around um, all that kind of stuff. So the, you know, the, the lazy boy version is what everybody wants. And no, we won't get cup holders. Okay, sorry, that's an additional <laughs> or, or anything like that or the recline feature. But because we dismantled the auditorium so many times, you know, um, the reality or, or, or the other option is to go with the second chair there. They're not as nice. They're still padded all that kind of stuff. You'll be comfortable for the hour or whatever. But that's, that's the, the decision that we're trying to wrestle with right now. So it'll be one or the other, okay? I know we'll disappoint some of you. That's just the nature of, of the, rea- the business and the nature of the reality. No? You just got to go with it, right? Amen. You, yeah. Right? But that's... Yeah, the second one's a lot lighter, right? By about three or four pounds. Okay, so um, it, it may mean doing something a little bit different in terms of setting up the auditorium or leaving sections of the auditorium set up. Even with Link here, we're in the process of negotiating. But if, if we were going to be set up all the time and we weren't breaking down the auditorium, you know, about three times a week, no question. It's the lazy boy. Okay, so... Stay tuned, but Easter Sunday, we're going to take up the offering because we need to order these things like 12 to 14 weeks in advance. So that's, that's part of the, the tension. And, and please just trust us to make the right decision, the best decision for the church, okay? Um, it's not an easy decision, but help us to make that, okay? All right? And the second thing I want to mention, uh, we're, we're, we're doing the Greece trip, May 2020. For those of you that are interested, the tour group is already trying to push the price up on me. And I'm going, no. Okay? So, um, you know, if you're interested in, in the Greece trip, um, just, uh, it's $300 to reserve your place for the Greece trip. <laughs> yeah, you get, or you could get, or you could get five chairs, right? Right? Full payment is 70 days before their trip, but just, you know, all right, that's, that's how it works. But I just want to make you aware, aware of that. Um, 
because everybody is after me. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk about forgiveness. And let's talk about the real difficult part of forgiveness. Um, As I said uh, during communion, one of the most difficult challenges for the church today is the lack of forgiveness. Um, And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that across every area of life. The forgiveness is such a difficult thing for many, many people. But it's even more difficult when we have no sense of needing forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. So, glimpses is this yesterday's clues that reveal today's truths. And here, here are three reasons culturally why people are struggling with forgiveness, at least forgiveness in a vertical sense, forgiveness between ourselves and God. Now, listen, there's an element of truth to each one of these statements. So, don't go, oh, did he really just say that? But there's an element of truth in every one of these statements. And here is the cultural problem why people do not feel they have to be forgiven by God. Okay? Number one is this our core makeup, we are born good. This is what culture is telling us we are born good. That we, you know, and when you are born in a culture that says you are just instinctively good, morally, ethically good, you have no need to be forgiven in the first place. Okay? Um, there was a time where we acknowledged that we're all born, you know, sinners, that we're all born with a sense of separation from God because a relationship with God was so, so important. But we live in a culture where it says, no, you are good. You're born good. In fact, as you grow, you know, it's culture or people around you or things that turn you into a bad person. That turn, it's, your, it's the influences and the situations of your life that turn you into a bad person. Now, I, now personally, I have deep, deep trouble with that. Do we have a capacity for good when we're born? I believe so. I believe so, you know, um, you know, without putting too fine a theological point on it. We have the capacity for great good. We have the capacity for great evil. That's just the reality. But if we're born good, if we're born in this state of, of pristine perfection, okay, then there's no need to be forgiven, okay? And by the way, this doesn't say in the least that a baby um, who dies prematurely um, is in trouble. I don't believe that a good God would ever do that, okay? And we can give you all kinds of biblical passages, and I don't have time for that this morning. Just, you know, just, just say that this is what culture says about us. The second thing is, that leads into it, is this. Our core purpose is to become who we were meant to be. In other words, if I'm a good person, then something good is inside of me and I just have to figure it out or I have to do my self-help or I just have to, you know, find my my purpose in life and I can just be all that I'm, I'm meant to be. And if I make a mistake, it's simple as that. I made a mistake and I'm okay with that. Okay, and, any, and, and if you're a person who believes you're good and all you do is make mistakes, then you can fix your mistakes. You can fix your core you know, characteristics or your, your core character flaws. You can fix yourself. Okay? And if I want to fully realize my destiny in life, I just have to manufacture it. I just have to pick it up and do it. I just have to make it work. I just got to work harder than the next guy. All those kinds of messages that we get culturally. And there's some element of truth to that. There's no doubt. 
But what if God had something greater for you that you never imagined for yourself? How many times would we turn that down or turn that away or say, God, not me? God, not me. And here's the core, here's the third core thing, you know. Um, our core need is to be happy. Okay? Um, it's, it's all about happiness. People, people nowadays um, don't talk about being on a spiritual adventure or a spiritual uh, journey or trying to figure out the, the spiritual vitalities of life. They just want to be happy. How can I be happier in my life? And a lot of times when people start considering Jesus, it's something that they want to add to their life to make their life better. So when they come into certain situations, they say, oh, I just take Jesus and put him in the situation, and Jesus can help me right about here. But Jesus doesn't become the primary Lord or Savior of their life, and you know everything revolves around honoring and glorifying Jesus. Those are the three core things that happen in our culture. So, you know, if, 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 you, if you buy into all of that wholesale, there's no need to be forgiven. Why would, I, why would I even seek forgiveness from God when this is what I'm told I am and what is important in life? And there's so many people I run into time and time and time and time again who I have to... I have to convince, and here's the problem for the church. We have to get people lost first before we can even talk about the gospel. Because none, you know, if you adopt all of this, you're not lost at all. You have no need. The brokenness of the world is just the brokenness of the world. It doesn't mean that it's something deeper and more profound that's caused the brokenness. You guys tracking with me? All right. I want, I want to go through a passage really quickly that is just incredibly powerful. Comes out of Zechariah, you know, about, about five, you know, 520, 515 BC. Uh, the exiles from, you know, Babylon and Persia are coming back to Jerusalem. They've been in exile for 70 years. And one of the prophets during that time is a man called Zechariah, who was a priest. And God started speaking into Zechariah's life and told him to say prophetic stuff to the exiles that were coming back into the land. And this is uh, vision number four that God gives Zechariah. And this is a really powerful Old Testament passage that's very indicative of New Testament salvation. Okay? So let me read this. Um, this, is, this is kind of the vision is in a, a courtroom where the angels of the Lord are there and Satan is there accusing Yeshua or Jeshua, who is the high priest at the time. And this makeup courtroom where the Lord is there and the angels are there and Satan is accusing Jeshua, right, unfolds in a, in a beautiful way. And I want to I start reading this and, and see where it takes us. Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, Jeshua is an alternate spelling of the word Joshua, which is Yeshua in Hebrew, which means the Lord saves. It's Jesus's name as well. The Hebrew name for Jesus is Joshua, Yeshua, Okay. Um, the accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Yeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject 
your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Now, what that means is that they've been in exile for 70 years. People who've lost all hope, kind of, you know, hope was burning away. And here they were, snatched out of the fire of, of exile. And God is bringing them back here to the place of Jerusalem. Um, Yeshua's clothing was filthy as they stood there before the angel. By the way, the word filthy in Hebrew is human excrement and vomit. That's typically the word that is used in Hebrew for filthy. Okay? Uh, So the angel said to the other standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Yeshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins. And now I am giving you these fine new clothes. That is a beautiful picture of forgiveness. That is a beautiful picture of God taking us, washing us clean, and putting new clothes on us, and, and, and bringing us into a whole new relationship with him. That, we're, you know, that we are filthy, that we are dirty, that to a holy and righteous God, that when we stand in the presence of him, and we see ourselves as separate from him, that in our humanness, we are filthy. And by the way, by the way, Yeshua represents all of us, okay? If you think for a minute, this passage about Yeshua having done something um, immoral or unethical or, you know, sexual perversion or anything like that, you're missing the point of the entire passage. Yeshua is a representative of everything that we do humanly that separates us from God. Even the minor things. And notice, and notice the accusations from Satan, okay? The accusations from Satan, we don't get um, kind of exactly what they were. But notice that is the core meaning of the word Satan, is accuser, adversary, That the very things that when Satan is before God and you're in the middle of it and you're in the courtroom, all Satan's going to do is accuse you of whatever he can get his hands on, of whatever it is that he can pull out of your life and throw it in front of God. You know, there are two general categories of lies. If you, if you look at um, everything that the Bible says about Satan, that he is the author of lies, that, that all he does is lie. And there's two major categories of lies. There's the lies of worth. Satan's going to be whispering in your ear, you're not worthy. You're not worth it. Um, you, who would ever believe you? Who would ever, you know, trust you with anything? Why, why would God even want to listen to you? Do you remember when you did that? Do you remember when you said that? Do you remember when you, you thought that? All of these things that, you know, devalue you and who you are before God. Oh, so you're divorced, eh? Oh, so you, you walked away from, oh, so, you, you know, all of these things that would play on your mind and make you less than and actually put you in the filthy clothes and leave you there. And we've all heard the lies of worth. We've all heard Satan say something to us that says, no, 
you're not good enough. Let alone, let alone God love you at all. There's the lies of worth that Satan uses as accusations. The second thing is the lies of destiny, right? Remember Adam and Eve? Those were the lies of destiny, by the way. You know, the, the serpent said to, to Eve, what? You know what? You can be just like God. You don't need God. In fact, if you eat of this, you know, your destiny is going to be something that's equal to God. And in fact, surely you won't die. All of those, all of those things is the lies of destiny. I don't know how many people have walked away from the faith because Satan has whispered something in their ear and they say, I no longer appreciate this trajectory that I'm on called faith. I'm walking away because I don't need it. My destiny is in another place. In fact, I figured out my destiny long ago. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I know what's important. All, all, this, all this stuff about faith, what good has it gotten me? The lies of worth and the lies of destiny. You can never die. Here's, here, let's continue this picture of forgiveness. Then God says, then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed Yeshua in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord spoke solemnly to Yeshua and said, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Um, Yahweh Tzavaot in Hebrew, um, the Lord Almighty. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, that you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among those of these others that are standing here. And, and what is interesting, these others standing here, as many commentators believe, that's the heavenly hosts that are part of this courtroom and watching what's, what is going on. This is a beautiful picture of, of being washed clean, being given new clothes, being totally forgiven being in a clean place, being in a pure place. And, 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 and notice, notice the, the, the admonition given to Yeshua, if you follow in my ways and are obedient to me, then even more will be given to you in the kingdom of God. Isn't that, you know, stay there. Keep going. Some of you are really discouraged right now. Some of you are saying, why do I bother? Why do I keep doing good? Why, you know, why is it? You know that there's a reward for you that you can't imagine. There's something better for you that no matter how big, I got a really good imagination and I tell you, I can't imagine the blessing that God has in store for us. I really can't. I really can't. And yet there's something about persevering, being obedient, uh, walking in, in the ways of the Lord. And even though it doesn't always make sense, and even though it's kind of difficult, and even though it's, it's, it's all about being good, and, and you could be ridiculed and all those kinds of stuff, right? But here's Yeshua as a representative of the whole priestly people being told that if you stay on track, if you stay on the course, if you 
stay persistent and don't give up, then I will give you authority. And, 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 and listen, when you have authority in the kingdom of God, no power can compete with that. No power can compete with that. Okay? Let me, um, let me finish up the last section, all right? Listen to me, the Lord says, O Yeshua, the high priest, and all you other priests. I happen to think that's an echo through the ages, by the way. The echo for anyone who's been a priest. You are a symbol of things to come. Soon I am going to bring my servant, the branch. Now look at the jewel I have set before Yeshua, a single stone with seven facets. I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. And on that day, says the Lord of heaven's armies, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit with you peacefully under your own grapevine and fig tree. By the way, do you know the theme of peace introduced um, Jesus at his birth and it was the thing that Jesus said to his disciples at the resurrection. Peace I bring to you. You know, all, you know that's, that, that, that terminology bracketed the life of Jesus. Okay, where do I start? Um, okay. The, the clothing, by the way, the high priest clothing that uh, is this, is, is incredible fine Linen. The turban, for instance, has, has all these jewels and, and gold embroidery, and it had the words, holy to the Lord, on it. You know, to, to get into the vestments of the priests is really you know, beyond our purview at this point in time. But it's, it's a, 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 a visible demonstration of the cleanliness, the purity, and the rewashing, and the forgiveness given to the high priest, who becomes a representative of everything after that. And notice, notice the ter- terminology. Soon I'm going to bring my servant, the branch. The branch is an Old Testament terminology for the Messiah. The branch of Jesse. Um, the person who's in the lineage of King David. The one that is going to come and to bring salvation to the world. The one who is going to you know, be... Be the redeemer of the world. And this is, this is the, the last point I want to make. That when we talk about glimpses, when it mentions the, the, the branch, the branch is a glimpse, okay, into the messianic figure who will bring forgiveness to the world. The branch of Jesse in the lineage of David. You know, all this, all this beautiful picture and element of stuff that comes you know, as, as, as a glimpse of God, what he's done to Yeshua as one example is, is something that he is going to do time and time and time again to his son, Jesus Christ, to the world who accepts forgiveness, who accepts him by faith and says, you know what? I need to be forgiven. I need to be forgiven. And that's... And that's the simple truth behind all of this. Is that God prepared a way that we celebrate at Easter time the reality of being forgiven when we acknowledge deep within ourselves that we need something more than ourselves. 
that you might come to a place and say, you know, I'm not necessarily all that good. I know what lurks inside my heart. You know, I failed in so many things, and I think I'm on track to becoming what I thought I would be, but those dreams have died, and those dreams have all gone away. You know, is it really about being happy, or is life about much, much, much more? Lord, I'm thankful that for many in this room, we've come to that place and recognize that we need to be forgiven. And that to be forgiven by God just doesn't mean that some of the things we've done, it's kind of okay but we're forgiven right to the very core of our souls. That we're forgiven in places that we never thought possible. And we're not forgiven just in the moment, but we're forgiven for all eternity. That was filthy before God before, what was, you know, human excrement and vomit all over us gets removed. And what gets put in place is new clothing that washes us clean, that celebrates the great forgiveness that we all have. In fact, the the Apostle Paul talked about take off the old clothes and put on the new. Isn't it great to be brand new this morning? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the forgiveness that is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, Father, as we begin life groups this week, I pray that this passage would would kind of reignite in some people the incredible blessing that we have as believers to be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. As we have celebrated communion and been reminded of the great sacrifice that Jesus made, it's much more than just the church being a product that we produce It's about a forgiveness that God gives through his son, Jesus, that we become brand new. So we thank you. We praise you. And we're so grateful for the gift of Jesus. In his name we ask it. Amen.